Hey, I'm Scott. And I'm Chris. And this is Doxologic, where we help you think with your Bible. Well, welcome back to another episode of Doxologic. Thank you for joining us, uh, faithful listeners. I'm here with Pastor Scott Mann. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Chris. How's December going for you and in the Hollingshead house? I feel like we're organized this year. Really? We are dialed in. Yes. We pulled the, uh, well, we had uh, family over for Thanksgiving, okay. kicked them out the next day, and just made it like, okay, we're going to get the Christmas tree today. We're going to decorate today. I'm going to do some sort of National Lampoon's light hanging today. And we got it all done the day <laughs> Were after you up on the second story? Second you story out up? the window, found out I had bats in one of my shutters. And so that's a whole project. No way. Oh, yes. Lincoln bats. Lincoln bats and lots of bats, like uh, saw maybe 50 coming out of one of my shutters. Of your house? Yes. Oh, man. I mean, folks, if this sounds like I've never heard it before, it's because I've never heard about this before. You're hearing about it for the first 50 time. 50 bats. Yes, yes. So I didn't kill myself. People who have I never seen did. your house have a picture of what your house must look like if you have 50 bats in your house. That is incredible. But well, killer Christmas we, lights. on the other hand, were not nearly as... Um, organized this year. We're generally a home for Thanksgiving, maybe hosting, and then we're right to the same thing. It's two days tops. It's before the weekend's done. We traveled for Thanksgiving. Uh So we got home, and then it was almost a week later. It was, I think, December 1st. It was like for the first time in my son's life, eight years, that it wasn't right after Thanksgiving, you know, so it took a while. But we are up and at it. Uh, We've got the glitz and the glam and the lights and the whole thing. Love Christmas. Love Christmas with the kids. It's so, it, it, is, it is really fun. My wife, uh, Noelle, is especially just honed in this year on making um, Advent uh, just really the focus of what our kids are doing. Mm. Uh, a couple things, and we'll probably talk about this toward the end, but just uh, ways that we're emphasizing, uh, memorizing great uh, Christmas hymns with mm. the kids, uh, doing different like uh, names for Christ and, okay. and, and promises of Christ and reading those every morning and things that um, we, we've done some of it before, some of it's new. It's just a, jo- it's just a joy mm. to see the kids anticipate. We know they're anticipating Christmas, you know, right. the gifts and the whole thing, but also just want to really instill in them a love for the preparation. Yeah. Well, I love that because our church even has prepared us well, right? Uh, Children's Ministry has put together a bag, yes. a calendar, yep. uh, different events and things that you can do on a day-to-day basis with your kids. I mean, we're doing the same thing, Chris. We've got um, an Advent calendar. Kids are opening, and of course, you're getting the standard chocolates, right? I mean, you got to uh-huh. do that. Trader, Trader Joe's. Trader here, Joe's. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And then um, you got the ornaments you put on the tree. You got verses we're reading together, we're walking through uh, different aspects of the gospel story, right. and then how the incarnation obviously is uh, plays into that and uh, it's just been a really sweet sweet time already and I would just say as a pastor uh, I'm enjoying Christmas the more I'm the, the more years go by yeah uh, th- there's a certain weight and a certain I don't know heaviness to Christmas that just uh, maybe it's put on by the culture uh, my expectations the feeling like you better not s- screw this holiday up because it's a big deal yeah, yeah. and um, and the more the years go by the more I'm actually able to personally mm. and with my family and in my own heart celebrate Christmas versus just enduring Christmas because it's chaotic, and it just feels weighty. Um, and so I'm thankful to God's mm. grace over the years. That's kind of a personal take at yeah. it. But. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great. We are, um, 
putting this together here, it's mid-December, mm-hmm. and we wanted to, uh, decided we wanted to go after a, a, a theological and a historical, actually in inverse order, historical and theological defense for why Christmas. Mm-hmm. Is it actually appropriate for Christmas, uh, for Christians to really celebrate Christmas? Um, there are a number of reasons why Christians, uh, some Christians I think more in certain I don't know, camps maybe, or even denominations will be hesitant about Christmas, and we'll talk about some of that, but there are concerns people have about the way Christmas gets celebrated and the way it gets overrun in consumerism and, and all of that. Or that it's celebrated. That it's celebrated at all. We actually had a former uh, church member who moved out of state, uh, I believe it was earlier this year. Mm-hmm. He wrote in, and he still follows, and shout out to Jared Callis, and um, mm-hmm. let me read some of his email. It was really well uh, thought out, and so here's just some of what he wrote. I find myself being challenged by some fellow believers here, this is his new area where he lives, when it comes to Christmas, if and how to participate. How do we think with our Bibles when considering the things of Christmas? Pretty much everything about Christmas and how it's celebrated in the world is pagan in origin. I'm almost at the conclusion that if I'm really thinking with my Bible, I should not participate in Christmas in any way, only that I can, if desired, remember the birth of Christ and be thankful for him. I don't want to ruin Christmas for you or others, he says, but I would value your thoughts on how to think more biblically and clearly about this now that I'm feeling uncertain in reevaluating long-held traditions and experiences. Mm-hmm. And I know he's not alone, um, and some people have some real consternation over whether Christmas ought to be celebrated. Yeah, like you said, for many different reasons, the consumeristic aspect of it, the, let's just call it the anti-gospel nature of it. We're going to talk about Santa a little bit too, and the historic uh, reality as much as we can understand it behind St. Nicholas, but that's a gospel inversion where you've got, how are you getting uh, gifts? If you've been naughty or nice. Right, if (laughs) you've been naughty or nice and somebody is creepily watching you, he's He's checking it twice. (laughs) Sees where, yeah, it's, there's some creepy Santa songs out there, there's no doubt. It's definitely... I'm like, why am I singing this with my children right now? (laughs) Right, right. So you've got sort of these concerns, but then there's a, there's kind of a pervasive within the Christian circles, this idea of, um, that Christians basically attached Christmas onto a pagan holiday. And so maybe we start there, Chris. Let's let's go back and give a little bit of the background so far as we understand it for what is that connection to December 25th? Yeah. Uh, what was going on in the pagan celebrations within the Roman Empire? Mm-hmm. And how does all this kind of come together? And what's right and yeah. wrong about that perspective? Yeah, so let's let's make mention right now that we're gonna have uh, show notes that you can access on this episode with several links, and uh, we found uh, several articles helpful. One in particular, recent article from Kevin DeYoung, uh, evaluating the historicity right. of the dating of Christmas and where it comes from. So recognizing as we are, shout out to uh, to Kevin DeYoung. Hopefully he's listening. I don't know if it's reached him yet. <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> you laugh like that's impossible. But uh, no, we appreciate him very much uh, in general, and he's got just a really well-reasoned argument. So here's where it comes from. The argument against Christmas, because it's a pagan holiday, comes from the fact that Romans in the first century, and uh, I think before and after the first century, had celebrated their seven-day winter festival, uh, Saturnalia, starting on December 17th each year. It was a thoroughly pagan affair, full of debauchery. I think you could probably think like Burning Man for the first century style. Okay, mm-hmm. um, you can well look up 
if you dare, Burning Man, if you're not familiar. But uh, they worshipped the god Saturn during this time, and to mark the end of the solstice, the Roman emperor uh, at one point established December 25th as a feast to Sol Invictus, mm-hmm. or the unconquered sun. So there was certainly a, a long history with that day and that time of year. Um, uh, oftentimes, though, there's a bit of like um, what I'm going to call uh, simple mythology mm-hmm. or simplistic mythology, which is to say uh, that existed in the Roman world, and then we now do Christmas on December 25th, ipso facto, we just co-opted it, and we have no right to do that, and we never should have celebrated it, and there's nothing, you know, the end of discussion, right? right? And we would just say, wait a minute, let's think about that. Right. So this idea that you're talking about is attached to this belief. I don't even know how how people have tracked it, but it's been largely believed that Christians leveraged this holiday in order to make... Christianity more palatable to the Romans, more right. popular with the people. So the church, the church co-opted these pagan festivals, put the celebration of the birth of their Savior on December 25th, and that's how it goes. And everyone sees that it's true, except it, it, it you know, Kevin DeYoung's point is it, it isn't true. Yeah. Like even if you were to um, see a pagan holiday and see Christians, um, you know. Uh, Aligning, having a parallel ha- having holiday. A parallel holiday. Yeah. That's yeah. The, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're compromising in some way. Right. One is to say, okay, um, you could have something that's a, a, a ripoff or, you, or a copycat or we're right. trying to make it more palatable, or it could imply replacement, yeah. like rebuke. Like the idea of, okay, this holiday is pagan, let's just call it garbage, and we're going to put something else in its place to the glory of God. So mentality, it's almost like there's an assessment of motive that's just been assumed in church history that that's the way that it went. And so after the conversion of Constantine, Christians did sometimes adapt and Christianize pagan festivals. You had mentioned Gregory the Great and that example that Kevin DeYoung used about how that's been true in church history. He encouraged it. And he encouraged it. Take over the temples, make them churches. Right. Take over some of the holidays, make them Christian celebrations. But it wasn't syncretism. It was because of the gospel, right? Taking a root in a culture, right? And and let's um let's go ahead and leverage that, but not with the motive of like it's thoughtless. Yes. And, and right. Whatnot. Not, not syncretism. Not yes, meshing correct. the two things, but rather replacement. Right. And so I think that's that's kind of where that starts. Now here's what I found fascinating about that article and other research we've done is that there is actually a historical tradition dating at least 1,500 years in both what we would call kind of the early Western and Eastern um, traditions of Christian theology that Mm -hmm. actually worked towards a dating of Christ's birth that was in that time of year, that Mm -hmm. what we would call the the end of our calendar year. And so... um, not to get too far in the weeds here, but there, there's a, uh, a Christian treatise from the 4th century North Africa, which we would say kind of in the Western-led uh, church, uh, that said, and this is so interesting, it said March 25th was the day of the passion of the Lord and of his conception. For on that day he was conceived, and on the same he suffered. Mm-hmm. Which is to say that there was a tradition, mm-hmm. uh, and, and let's grant it being conjecture, but a tradition very early on mm-hmm. that that 
The conception. day Jesus died mm-hmm. is the same day he was conceived mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary. And they would date that as March well, March 25th, because we know the day he died, right. related to Passover. And so in the East, um, another bishop named uh, Epiphanius uh, of Salimus maintained that it was April 6th. And so we can, you know, we can see the two-week difference of the dates, and again, not to get lost in the weeds, the point is this. That tradition took root in both the East and the West, makes one at least wonder, was it pure speculation, or had that been around for a while, such that nine months after March 25th, so the thought would be December 25th, mm-hmm. or January 6th. Mm-hmm. The Church in the East celebrates Christmas January 6th. And so uh, those became markers of how to, hit again, with some conjecture, but historically to say this is plausible that Christ was born in late December. Hmm. And I just, until until um, reading this, I, I did not know about that. And the fact that it's in the East and the West, I found uh, not, not compelling us to defend its, like, objectivity. I haven't gone that far into it to take a stance. I don't think the stance has to be taken. But to just recognize it's not purely the Roman, t- you know, the pay- takeover of a pagan holiday. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to trace some of the history Um Andrew McGowan uh, from Yale Divinity School, Kevin DeYoung references him as well, wrote an article titled How December 25th Became Christmas and talks about the fact that uh, unlike Easter, which developed as a Christian holiday much earlier, there is no mention of birth celebrations mm. from the earliest church fathers. Yeah. Early church fathers say nothing of a festival in honor of Christ's birth. There were some early on interested in dating Christ's birth, but none were interestingly December 25th. The first mention of December 25th as Jesus' birthday comes from that mid-4th century almanac called the Philokalian calendar. And then a few decades later, around AD 400, Augustus Justin, yeah, the great theologian, right. would indicate that the Donatists kept Christmas festivals on December 25th, but interestingly, they, they, they refused to celebrate Epiphany on January 6th because they thought that the later day was a, a kind of a recent intervention. The point being is this, since the Donatists were against compromising with Rome Culture. in any yeah. same any way, it's safe to say they didn't consider the celebration of Christmas pagan in origin. And so because of this, what we end up seeing is that the earliest celebrations of Christmas are, are known to be dated to the second half of this third century, which is not in line with the narrative that says it really came through Constantine's yep. influence when he essentially Christianized Yeah. Yeah, so the point here is not that there is an airtight case to be made about this, but it is to say, um, if you aren't aware of this, I bet there's a lot of people hearing this for the first time, the historicity of an approximation of his birth based on uh, based on historical facts we know about his death, and again, that was news to me, that the idea that his death took place on the same day as his conception. And uh, it's it's valuable to know um, that it's not, again, the simplistic kind of mythology of how we got Christmas is, uh, there's just more to it. I'm yeah. grateful for that. What's interesting, too, is kind of who propagated this pagan origin? Right, right. Like, yeah, as you, yeah. As you, we, we read about that too. Yeah. Right, as you develop that, what you end up seeing is there are other streams of information that were leading this to be kind of the cultivated understanding. And so, uh, it, it was mentioned that uh, centuries later, post Enlightenment scholars yeah. of comparative religions popularized the idea. 
that the early Christians retrofitted winter solstice festivals for their own purposes. And yet for the first millennium of church history, no one made that connection. So it's just interesting how much of this gets merged with other people. Probably we're talking about scholars who aren't actually believers. Right. 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 Religious so there's scholars. A discrediting nature to these arguments in the in the Enlightenment, post-Enlightenment era, for sure. Yep. Now, now uh, historically, you move forward a good long ways, and you get to old St. Nick. Yes. So so there's actually a man that was named St. Nicholas. Correct. Uh, many people know that, but a lot of people don't know just what a staunch, uh, I mean, theologian, I'd be oh, fair yeah. to say. I mean, he was legit. Fiery. Oh, fiery. <laughs> P- punched a dude. You're going to yeah. get into that? Oh, Didn't yeah. he uh, yeah. just clock some yeah, guy yeah, yeah. over a theological issue, right. not over like a reindeer issue? Right. But, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get into the history of Santa Claus a little bit. Yeah, well, and first of all, like the whole idea of saint, of course, is not part of his name. Yeah. Uh, it's an identification of him as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But anyway, that gets confusing for people when we start to venerate saints and yeah. we talk about that stuff. But yes, um, the, the interesting thing is there's a whole, there's a kernel of truth in the Santa Claus thing. And then a whole bunch of stuff you kind of have to tease through, tease out. And so um, the reality is, is that we don't know a whole lot about St. Nicholas. We've got some people that are scholars. Uh, Gustav Onrich, he's a German church historian, Mm. says it like this. This is about the extent we can really be confident of. He says, quote, we can grant a bishop of that name, Nicholas, uh, who had a great impact on his homeland, it exists. We can also accept December 6th as the day of his death and burial, interestingly okay. enough. These are all the facts we can hold to. Further, we cannot go. And so wow. w- w- there's, there's, there's um, other stronger, what I would call conjectures or confidences that we can have, and then some that are less strong. But here's some of the best estimates. He was born around AD 280, okay, in Patara in Asia Minor. He later became the Bishop of Myra, which is in modern-day Turkey, and he died roughly around 340. 43 AD on or around December 6th. That's going to play into things in just a second. Mm. Um, There is no record of his existence in any documents that we know of before the 6th century, but by the time he started being mentioned, it was already assumed and understood that he had developed a level of uh, popularity. He was well-known. The Emperor Justinian had dedicated a church to him in Constantinople. And so the question is, why was he so famous that he would later be mentioned multiple times? And there's there's so many legends to this. Like It gets weird. Um, Some of the legends are he was reputed to be a wonder worker who brought children back to life. He destroyed pagan temples. He saved sailors, apparently, not other people, sailors, from death at sea. He uh, uh, had an infant that was nursed only two days and, and, and as an infant, excuse me, himself nursed only two days a week and fasted the other five days himself uh, as a baby. An yes, yes. <laughs> that is <laughs> This is like how, right. So there's okay. all this stuff around him and you're going, okay, that's, that's definitely on the fable side of things. But here's some of the stuff that I think we have good reason to believe is true about him. What made him so famous? Number one, the persecution he endured. Hmm. He set an example under the persecution from Diocletian and Maximian uh, in the empire-wide persecution that was going on, he was known for enduring faithfully and serving Jesus Christ. One of the ones that highlights, that I highlight a lot, that I think is very interesting, is another reason he's famous is not just for enduring persecution, but being a staunch defender of orthodoxy. Mm. Okay, so let's talk Council of Nicaea. The theologian. The theologian. 
Yes. Who goes to the Council of Nicaea, 325 AD, and uh, one of the major issues, the major issue, was a, a theological error regarding Christ, Christology, uh, did I already say Arianism? Yeah. yeah, which basically believed that Christ was begotten of the Father, but in the sense of created. He had a beginning. Correct. Yeah. So not co consubstantial and not co-eternal with the Father. Uh, big, big problem. Uh, turns out Santa thought it was a big, big problem. <laughs> he did not like this no, one. he didn't. So the legend goes that he shows up to the Council of Nicaea, and as he shows up, like the first thing he does is he gets there and slaps Arius across the face. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So uh, he's kind of got a little UFC in him, so you, you know, go. he's the jolly guy, but he's also fiery about Jesus, which is probably why today he's rolling in his grave uh, over the fact that his whole Santa Claus thing has developed an anti-gospel theology that's laid over the top and of Christmas. And it's just turned into a shtick, and it's turned yeah. into the North Pole, yes. and the reindeer, and yes. ho, 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 right. and all, all the things, right? right. And not his, his actual honorable... Uh, life dedicated to the service of Christ and to uh, well, he was also he was known for being very generous. Right? Yes. he was born into a wealthy family, yes. inherited a large fortune, but he was a very generous guy. So there's something about that, you know, that gift giving nature that we can again, like how much can you tie to that? But but he's known for these things, and that's pretty sweet. And then the December sixth thing. Let's let's finish on on that his historically. Yeah, so Christians began to celebrate December 6th in honor of St. Nicholas by okay. giving presents. So that mm -hmm. was the idea. And and he had there's stories that again are more believable than others like um he knew of a few ladies that are a few gals who were so poor they were going to be um basically subjected to prostitution. Mm. And he tossed the money that they needed for their dowries through their window, apparently, and it caught and it kept them out of that lifestyle. Wow. So he was just known for that. I, I, th I think with his fortune, he literally gave it all away in those wow. kind of generous actions. And so that was kind of a tradition that developed over time. And again, you get into all these kind of conjectures and fables and weird stuff, but th this whole idea of naughty or nice, you know, yeah. is, is kind of built out of this idea that, um, for good boys and good girls, St. Nicholas would come in his red bishop's robe and fill okay. boots with gifts on the night of December 5th. So the Christmas Eve kind there of idea. Go. And okay? thus the stockings. Right. And if you were bad, that was even freakier. You wanted to be on the good side, but if you were bad, there was all kinds of weird cultural ideas. Like I think the Germans were the ones that had this like cultural idea that if you were bad, he would he would you would be eaten by Santa. <laughs> <laughs> He was also a cannibal? <laughs> yes. What is going on? He would put people, the bad kids, in sacks and send them away to other countries. I mean, there's just all kinds of weird stuff, wow. right? But let's let's get to the modern day. Yeah, How please. do we get to the Santa of today? <laughs> yeah, right? right? The reformers weren't wild about these these kind of things yeah. because saints' days were exaggerated. They were hyperbolic. They weren't accurate. Um, well, there was idolatry. There was idolatry yeah, involved in it, on, absolutely. Right. So in Germany, Martin Luther replaced St. Nick's Day with a different day called Christ Child or Christ Kindle. Okay. Okay, where we would kind of get Chris Kringle from. Wow, okay. And in um, 
Protestant Europe, what you'll find is the the, the whole idea of St. Nicholas and the, and the, and the um, fables about him, they sort of disappeared. The Puritans did away with St. Nicholas, and they were ones who did ban Christmas. Mm. They, were, yeah. they were largely involved with that, which is interesting. But if you have someone to thank for the modern day, if you're a fan of Santa, no judgment. If you're a fan of Santa, enjoy that part of the Christmas season in general for what it is. Mm-hmm. You have the Dutch to thank. Huh. Actually, okay. which I found very interesting, and so what what that means is the Dutch held on to their tradition about Saint Nicholas and about this gift giving, and they brought it to the New World, and they called him Saint Nicholas, which was contracted to Sinter Claus. Okay. Center Claus probably sounds like something we've said before, uh, i.e. Santa Claus. And according to Dutch tradition, Center Claus rides a horse and is accompanied by his helper, i.e. where we get elves from. Now, interestingly, in the past, that helper, there was almost some racist connotations about mm-hmm. that helper. Don't have time to get into that. <laughs> Not but there's all kinds of interesting things out there. But we know Santa as we do primarily after the poem Twas the Night Before Christmas, which was written in 1820. 23, and it's probably one of the most well-known yeah, yeah. Uh, of the Christmas traditions that we would sing and talk about. So, Wow, who knew not only a history lesson, but the etymology of how we got to Santa Claus? I mean, that's good stuff. It's fascinating. Yeah, that is fascinating, and it's, uh, it's, it's helpful for folks to see and understand. I want to, you know, move us along to, all right, so, so some history, some Santa Claus history, all that is really valuable, but... Why would we encourage folks to go ahead and celebrate Christmas should they choose to? That people can celebrate Christmas with a clean conscience is what we want to advocate without actually saying uh, necessarily you ought to, right, as if um, there's a command to do so. One thing people point out is there is no New Testament command um, to celebrate Christmas every year, to which I would say true enough. There's also not a command to celebrate Easter every year. Boom. But I don't hear roasted. I don't hear anybody arguing of whether we should celebrate Easter every year. And I want to get to this in just a little bit. Yeah. But the, the the birth and the death and the resurrection of Christ are the most important historical events because Christianity is a historical religion. And so it is it is right that we would celebrate these things. The manner in which we would celebrate them is something we could talk about, right? Sure. But 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 nonetheless, let's start with the um I know Romans 14, just on a level of like that you may yeah. is I think a question we get to with Romans 14. Well, I just think that what happens is you've been going along your whole Christian life and you've been celebrating Christmas every year, right? And then all of a sudden, wham, you get smacked with Christmas is pagan and your whole world, mm-hmm. i.e. Jared, yep. spinning upside down, and you're wondering, is this okay? And your conscience is maybe violated and you feel uneasy about something you used to love. Love and mm, tr- truly used right. to create this environment and opportunity to speak of Christ and to have greater opportunities with friends and neighbors to share the gospel and engage your kids right. and all this stuff. And now you're going, oh no, my conscience is convicted. I, I Do I have to throw this whole thing away? Right. Well, that ha- brings us to Romans 14. Okay, so Romans 14 is really helpful for us. And I'm going to focus on, we could talk about verse one as well, um, but I'm going to focus on verse five, verses five and six. And Paul writes and says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike, okay? I.e., there are some Christians that may not celebrate Christmas in that formal sense, Sure. right? Um, Technically, we should always be celebrating Christmas and the resurrection, right? I mean, those, but let's just, on the specific day, um, 
One may do one way, one may not celebrate. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Listen to this. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. So if you're going to observe it, you observe it in honor of the Lord. And you went on to say later, because we were having this conversation that has to be done. Do it in faith. You do it in faith. And if you do it in faith, and if you do it in honor of the Lord, there's freedom there to celebrate Christmas. Yeah. More than freedom encouragement to. There's a reason to Yes, do there's a reason yeah, to do that. Yeah. So that, that's a great place just to, uh, you know, you, you need a verse for it. The idea is right there in Romans 14, that you can draw out the, the permission to hold up a, a day, to honor, remember, and celebrate the Lord Jesus' coming, right? Uh, it, it's it's uh, acceptable to do so. It, it is acceptable not to do so, right? It's not to cast a judgment right. on the Christian who decides that their family doesn't put up lights, doesn't sure. do the tree thing. They they honor the Lord in, in, in all days, and they, they uh, love that He came. That's not a judgment on one's salvation, but it's important to say you you are allowed not to, but most certainly you are allowed to. Right. And I want to get to a few theological um, things as we um, just want to explore some of the why to bring people back to just the beauty of what Christmas represents. Okay. Um, so, for example, John chapter 1, uh, to go to just the simple fact that God, the eternal creator God, entered his own creation. Right. And he didn't just do it mythologically and spiritually. He did it in a certain way, yep. in true space-time history, if you will, and that, just like with the resurrection. Like in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul majors on that. Mm-hmm. Like, if, it, if the resurrection is not historically reliable then it all falls apart. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to make that same point, because Paul doesn't make that about the birth. But the point is that he came physically, truly, as a baby. Uh, Luke chapter 1 and 2, along with Matthew's, it, Matthew's account, it's true. Right. He came in history. He came for real. So theologically, so it is so rich to be able to say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, skipping down to verse 14, and the Word, that same Word, who is God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So that, theologically, we have um, an incredible reason to rejoice in the fact that He came, and I mentioned it already, but the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, those life events are... um, worth celebrating annually. Uh, Again, not to say, you know, you have to, but we would say, I I do believe we ought to. I think we, because we are a, we, the Christian religion, if you will, it's a historical account Mm -hmm. of what truly God has done. So there's no embarrassment whether or not we can pinpoint the day of December 25th that it came, Mm -hmm. that he came, that he came came on a certain day, and he truly came born of a virgin. That's worth celebrating. It 100% is. And when you acknowledge it on that regular basis, what's interesting is it really, it humanizes Jesus. Like you said, space, time, history. He's truly man, right? He is eternally God, truly God, take on human flesh. And just like we would celebrate a birthday, we're acknowledging that in Christ, the most profound, I mean, the incarnation's stunning. Just hearing you say it ministers to my soul 
again, being reminded of that. I mean, in one sense, we've talked about this. We're always ought to be mindful of the incarnation, but why not one time of year really dial in and honing in on that and celebrating that? Another thought we had talked about as well is, um, you know, the gift giving aspect Mm -hmm. of Christmas and, some people, it's hard to connect that to the gospel and you almost don't want to, you definitely don't want to like overplay the gospel with gift yeah. stuff. It's like, well, the greatest gift is Jesus. And you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, one of the presents, right? <laughs> right. Did you give me anything? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. To celebrate Jesus, did you give me anything? <laughs> and so with your kids and stuff, instead of battling with that, I, I would say you see it as an extension of mm. the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right? right? And so um, that's 1 Corinthians 10, 26. It's out of Psalm 24. I was thinking about, we're going to be in this passage, uh, 1 Timothy 4 soon. And uh, it says, for everything created by God is good. Mm, and nothing yeah. is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. It is to say that if we're rightly assessing our lives, everything in our lives is a gift of God's grace. Everything. Yeah. The breath in my lungs, the ability to articulate this next word is because God is sovereignly granted by his grace, that breath to articulate that thought. And so when we see all of our life as a gift and we see the central supreme gift mm. of the giving of Christ for us, then I think in a very small way and hopefully understanding that, yeah. but by extension, we celebrate gift giving in, in, in a way that actually can be connected to the gospel and come under the gospel without having to be detached from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Another example of just why it's worth celebrating on theological grounds, God, in coming to his creation, demonstrate this physical world is good Mm -hmm. according to God. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is is under the curse of sin. Uh, It's broken or fractured in so many ways, but it's, it's good. And him becoming, uh, well, well, human and man specifically is um, a forever reality. Right. He is risen and ascended in his physical form, which makes the mind explode right. to consider, but he is seated. Right. And he's the man, Christ Jesus, still today. Right. And he has tethered, if you will, himself to the physical world he made. He spoke mm-hmm. it into existence. He continues to sustain it by the word of his power, and he entered into it. So do not, Christian, subject yourself to an ideology that might sound hyper-religious and pietistic and spiritual, which is to say, I don't participate in, in the enjoyment of physical things and in the physical world God made. No, he has made a good world, and it, it, it is racked by sin. All those things being true does not take away the reality that God made the world. He blesses us not only in the world, but he does bless us with many good gifts in this world. And so we celebrate that as we celebrate the fact that he came. Mm-hmm. And I would just move on and and um, to, to land the plane soon here to say, let Christmas also remind you by, by, by reading the story um, repeatedly in this season, you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Yes. And Christ is the Savior who came to save the world. Come on. He came 
came for all who would turn from um, sin and from self and from false religion to embrace him as Savior. So you mm-hmm. think of Matthew one twenty one, the angel telling Joseph, you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then you've got the joy aspect of our salvation, so the need of salvation. Mm-hmm. We are lost sinners in a dark world. The light of the world, Jesus Christ, came into our darkness. He came, again, in history for real, and he came for joy. The angels say to the shepherd and shepherds in Luke 2.10 right. that he, um, the angel speaking, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all, all the, the people. people, that these are things to have a joyous celebration mm. of. And, and that we do it once a year shouldn't be the only time we do it, sure. but that it's a heightened awareness. Yes. Again, it's tethering it to Easter in a certain degree, like we should always celebrate the resurrection, but that we do it in a certain way each year. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. And what an opportunity with your kids as well. You know, there are some dynamics though. There's some complicated pieces to like, how do you bring in the Santa Claus thing and talk to your kids about yeah. it and and bring it. And so what we're talking about is like, make sure that the greatest gift is the gospel, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. that everything flows from that. And, you know, one of the things too, is just to make sure that as you're kind of navigating this with your kids, you, you want to do it in such a way where you can help them really distinguish between when you're telling them what's true, like you don't want to lie to your kids. Sure, and that's sure. the dynamic that's kind of difficult in this season, especially with the, the Santa aspect of it. And I don't think it means you have to necessarily just, just get, get rid of Santa altogether, but maybe tying Santa into who St. Nick really was, that mm. he was really set apart by Christ and lived a kind of life that honored Christ yeah. and was a generous person and and therefore not necessarily having to like, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, well, but it gets complicated. But for the families. truth is so cool that he loved Jesus. Right. How great is right. that? Like all the mythology and all the things that you are went into which some of those I've kept out of well, yeah, my kids. We're, we're fascinated. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that he might have eaten children. Eaten, swallowed them, or so the th- wrapped them in bags. <laughs> yeah, and... we're not going to do that. Yeah. But that he loved the Lord and yeah. that he cared about right doctrine and yeah. the gospel. Let's let's let that be. But um, to to the degree that you want to entertain it for a season in the kid's life is, I think each pa- each parent's conscience yes. decision right. for how to do that with their kids. Right. Well, we, we do hope this is helpful. Uh, we would we would admonish and encourage those believers, many of them who are celebrating Christmas to uh, do so with a clean conscience, to do so with Christ in the center, right? To enjoy the fun, that there's no reason to be uh, bah humbug about different things that don't, you know, that are Christmassy, that are related to snow and winter and whatever. Don't um, take it too far, but recognize Jesus is in the center of all of this. And so long as in your heart you're honoring him as Lord, you have every opportunity um, to get the gospel grounded in your kids' hearts yeah. in particular, but also in your own, right. and then to recognize that this is a kind of time of year where people are um, recognizing maybe uh, something about what Christmas is about. There's still some cultural cachet, not as much as there used to be, with this is a Christian thing, and so leverage it for the gospel mm-hmm. as well. Any last words? Just reminds me of Charlie Brown Christmas, man. Isn't there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? I can't. If that opportunity is there, though. I mean, legitimately, you're, you're right in saying it's not there as much. 
But if it's there, and we should be praying for this, God, open the hearts of my neighbors for those opportunities. You're going to be out decorating your house, and so are they, but you're doing it from a different perspective and a different celebration. May God grant opportunities for good gospel conversations. Be the kind of people with joy in their hearts, like you said, that want to make much of Jesus Christ and are ready to testify when the opportunity comes. You've been listening to Doxologic, a podcast by Doxa Church in Rockland, California. To learn more, visit doxachurch.net.